0: You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.
1: Brooks is here to sing to you, Should I Stay or Should I Go? by The Clash. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, pastor of Debshire Hill Church, located in the Des Moines metro, back at you with another Cornfield Theology, and we are bringing back the band, quite literally, Brooks. Do you even know what that song is, Should I, should I Stay or Should I Go? Should I, I, I know this song because it was, was on a Rock
0: Band. Now. Oh, is that? Um, <laughs> it's but time, I don't know, huh? I didn't know who it was by until you said it just now.
1: Yeah, before your time. Yeah, should I stay or should I go? Well, before we get into the topic, should I stay? Should I go? How are you doing?
0: Doing really well. You know, Hannah and I had our had our first child, a wonderful little boy named Silas. Yeah, and he's so adorable. Yeah, yeah. That um, life's good. Life's good. I love um, my local church and getting more and more opportunities to serve there, and um, that's been that's been really wonderful. So, I, honestly, I feel very blessed. I've talked often with my wife about how I feel like life's life's yeah. a little too good, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
1: but, yeah. Ain't going to hate on that, but I will hate on the fact that you left us for that really wonderful church you're currently attending. So I feel somewhat well, abandoned. I'm still going through I grief would, counseling.
0: A little nuance. Cause we're huge fans of nuance on the cornfield theology podcast, but I left, uh, t- for a girl yeah <laughs> which which by the way
1: when you left for the job we all said you're leaving for a
0: girl yeah oh yeah
1: yeah <laughs> and logan i feel uh, like
0: i was pretty op- pretty open about that i like long distance with hannah did like yeah i wanted our relationship to go somewhere and yeah. so um yeah and just miraculously got an o- a job opportunity yeah and made that made everything possible so yeah ended oh, up, ended up and back.
1: I, and I ended up marrying you. You came back down, had the the ceremony here. Okay, man. You you need I, to say I, I ended the, up officiating I, 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 I officiated the wedding, not marrying you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I always do that.
0: Like, what you did? What yeah, you, did? you know. I don't think you did that. I don't think you know what you said, son. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah, and not honestly, I our the you officiating our, our wedding went went perfectly. Like just a really great great message, and Hannah and I are still grateful for that. Yeah. except for the fact that you left early couldn't hang out till the end couldn't hold it but
1: why didn't i oh i had to preach the next day that's what happened yeah. but yeah it was a wonderful day i was i was blessed to be a part of it yeah it really was well topic at hand, Brooks. should i stay or should i go we are going to talk about why a person or family um may leave the church And uh, before we get into reasons, I think it's worth pausing for a moment, stepping back and just acknowledging a few things. One, it's actually a very sobering topic. It's not a topic I actually like talking about at all. Um, In a culture of uh, decommitted people, more and more people are not as committed as much to local churches or really anything at all. And as a pastor of a local church, and uh, I think you're a pastoral intern um, at your local church, if I'm not mistaken, you're a pastoral, pastoral intern at Redemption Hill when you were here. These are things you have to think about because they're a reality, unfortunately, within church life. Um, just uh, just uh, stepping back, is there anything you want to add to that before we get into maybe perhaps
0: reasons why it would be good? No, um, we we recorded an episode of Cornfield Theology on reasons why you couldn't leave a church a while, a long time ago. and I, I didn't remember this as we prepped, but I'm remembering it right now. So I'm just trying to go back and look for, but I, I know yeah. certainly that we did. I remember it. Do you, do you remember that podcast episode? Maybe we should throw that in the show notes.
1: Yeah, we'll put in the show notes. Probably like a, one of the first few, you know, early yeah. on 2018. Yeah,
0: it'll be, it would be one of those podcast episodes. I'd probably listen back to and be like, mm, you know, yeah, <laughs> Brooks, Brooks probably that. didn't know <laughs> I, anything that's like two to three years old for me. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's always hit or miss because people grow and change. But yeah,
1: absolutely. Hopefully, we're a little wiser four years later. You know, We've yeah, thought things a little less of a smart
0: dreams. aleck for me. That's what I noticed listening yeah. back on our old podcast. Like <laughs> you kept things why?
1: lively, man.
0: You kept it. You kept things moving, <laughs> and uh,
1: occasionally there was a rabbit trail that we had to shoot the rabbit and bring it back to the main point. And that's good.
0: That's I, all right. I love rabbit trails. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like anyway. Yeah, there, there's podcasts now where people just talk for three hours. So. Right like rabbit trails rabbit trails they've been pretty good depending on what kind of podcast you're you're doing now but yeah it's funny anyway, like
1: you're talking about a rabbit we're on trail one right was now. the rabbit trail <laughs> <laughs>
0: um but what was i gonna say okay so i don't have any particular thoughts before we dive in to why yeah. people are leaving the church i think as always like of course it's multifaceted we'll talk simply about things that are complex right um i guess that's just some preface prefacing and uh Maybe I would say for the believer, it can be a lot more complex, like for mm-hmm. a believer to think through, should I leave a local church and to give their reasoning for the local church to be pretty complex? There's numerous, uh, but usually for a non-believer leaving a local church, they may give one reason, but we know that they they've moved away from the church because they were they were never among the church. They were never truly one of them. And so it can be boiled down. I mean, they'll give sure. re- their own reasons, but it can yeah. be boiled down. Right.
1: Yeah, they were not among us. They went out, but they were not among us. Yes. I, I, I agree. And I, I think a further, mm, I don't know, clarification or qualification is, is that, like I said, this is a very sobering topic. Uh, but one of the realities that we're seeing more and more is that churches are shifting and changing. They're shifting in theology. They're shifting in how they understand culture. And if you've attended a church for five, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever, and you're 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 observing these shifts, all of a sudden the church you're now a part of is not what it what it once was, right? And and so I think, in my view, um, especially in terms of church culture, we saw a lot of uh, churches exposed in twenty twenty about what they really do value and what they're really how they're really motivated. You know what I'm saying? And um, what I've noticed, as we've seen in America, so for example, in America broadly, you have folks who were in the big city who maybe were more conservative on the coast. And they're like, this is not my jam. All these lockdowns are not my thing. I'm going to go to a more conservative state. So so I think one of the latest, um, if you go to the 2020 census, like all the states that where people were leaving were blue states. Now, I'm not knocking what, what kind of state you live in. That's just the reality of the situation. And all the states that were increasing population and gaining representatives, you know, places like Texas um, and Florida, uh, which tend to be more conservative, you know, people were moving there. And so I, that that kind of shift and change has also taken place in local churches. And not, again, I want to say this with, with so much sobriety, we live in such an uncommitted culture, and I think people need to press in toward commitment. You need, that needs to be your default anytime you're a part of local church. But I think we have to acknowledge if something massive is shifting in your local church, there might be cause to leave. And these are three categories. You, here are three categories, Brooks. That I was kind of thinking out of in terms of, of good or bad reasons to leave a local church. And then if you want to add categories, you can. But I think working through these categories one by one would be helpful. One, people leave for preferences. You know, it's like you're part of a church and you're uh you're Joe Schmo or whatever, and the they turn they change the carpet from burgundy red to blue. And you're just like, oh, I
0: can't handle
1: the blue. I'm
0: out of here. Okay, we're gonna talk about that. And that that sounds very um like it like it never happens like it doesn't sound very realistic right um but i i think definitely in some churches especially with really established older congregations it that kind of stuff does does tear churches apart sometimes the changing of the carpet or changing from pews to chairs or things like that but preferences goes further to like preaching styles and correct do you know like it goes much further into things that are that are more significant where it's like i like my pastor is just boring yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's preaching the word, he's faithful to the word. I'm being fed, um, but it's just me. not the style. You yeah, know, I man. like Ted Talk style sermons, and right. <laughs> he's giving me John MacArthur style right. sermons,
1: right? <laughs> you know, so like music is too, we can throw music into that. Uh, like oh, they, they introduced the drums, Woo, getting wild, you know, it's that kind of stuff. And uh, everyone's like, whoa, 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 we've been doing orgy music for the last 30 years, now we're doing drums. You know, I would throw that into the preference category. Now we could argue whenever there's some in some of these preferences, how does a pastor lead a church through change? I think there's a fair conversation, yeah, to be had. But I think we need to be careful. I'm always reluctant for someone to say, i'm I'm leaving this local church because there's some type of preferential change within the church,
0: yeah. you know, there have been most times throughout history um where we we've never had um, the amount of options that we have like leaving a church because of preferences is a very consumeristic culture ideal. And um, it's I'm leaving because you change the carpet because Mm -hmm. I like the carpet at this other church. Right. Or um, I don't like the preaching here, but I do. I do like the preaching at this other church. And it it can be even that one. Like I've heard it couched in Christianese terms so many times is like, um you know i'm just being fed better like i'm like well, i don't know this pre- guy was preaching pretty good sermons it's just yeah. he's not as dynamic i get what you're saying you know what i mean but yeah um uh, we're, we we want the really good
1: communicator and you know he's borderline yeah. comedian slash ted talk guy like you mentioned he's engaging he speaks to my wait for it wait for it my feelings yeah and he's and, and you know and, and the reality is the guy at you know You know, whatever Baptist church down the road or Presbyterian church down the road, he's maybe not as dynamic, but he's giving you the truth every single time.
0: Yeah, and and the 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 point there is like you may like maybe you do are more attentive to this new sermon. Maybe like the carpet's really important for some reason to you. I don't know. Um, But the model for church is not consumeristic. You know, move around, pick who you want it's this is my family i'm not coming all, only to receive but i'm a member of this family and i've made a commitment i've entered a covenant with them to give right my gifts are meant to be used in the local church the gifts of the, my fellow members are meant to serve me and i'm meant to sit under the elders and pastors that god has has given to me right. and um and that's that's something where you i'm i'd be really hesitant to leave a church i think that that is a especially if you're a member which i think you should be Christians should be members of their local church, yeah. um, but I'd be very, very hesitant to say um, any, any kind of uh, preference or preferential reason for leaving is, is okay. And the, and the, behind that, like you wouldn't leave if this was the only church on, on, on the block, right. You you're leaving because there's another church you can go to right. most of the time. Sometimes people just leave and they're like, I don't, the pastor didn't get me. So I just right. don't go to church anymore, you know, but.
1: So uh, two things. One, if you hear the crickets in the background, it's because I'm doing this uh, recording in a um, horse stall—not the actual stall, but like the like the stalls are behind me and they're just inside. So a little different setup. If you these hear days. the
0: baby in the background, it's because I'm in my home and my yeah. baby's crying. I'm sorry. So everyone's
1: everyone's getting all the noises. Here's the here's the more important <laughs> more important uh, point. I've used this example often to describe American Christianity. In terms of how they view the church and even perhaps understand Jesus and the Gospels, but let's stick with church. Uh, What's your favorite buffet place? Like buffet place, like OCB or Golden Corral, or um, here in Des Moines, you guys had a favorite on Sundays or Saturdays or something that had a buffet. Uh, Machine Shed, you know those places.
0: I hate Machine Shed. That's right. Um, But I (laughs) cracker barrel all day, man. They don't have a buffet. Probably Golden Corral. All but right, let's go. That's with for Corral. lack of other options. I'm not, buffets aren't in style. I've never been, I haven't been to a buffet in many years.
1: Yeah, I haven't either. Other
0: and than that, maybe a Chinese buffet, actually. But
1: I think I went to Machine Shed. You know, I feel like maybe the last six months one time. But here, here's the point. I, Christianity is very much. You walk into Golden Corral, like you say, and it's like you know what? I want a little of that. I want a little of this. I don't want that. I want the. Gr- I do not want the green beans. I do not want the um the mixed vegetables.
0: But I'll take the prime rib. And That's we exactly treat- me. I don't want the green beans and the mixed vegetables. <laughs> I want the fried chicken. I want the prime rib. That's right. Do they have prime rib at Golden Corral? I think your analogy might be falling apart a little bit. I don't know. Whatever they got, you know. Do they have prime rib? Is, if so, I really need to revisit Golden Corral.
1: I've only been to Golden Corral when I was in North Carolina when we were in grad school. Yeah. Anyway, have them up here. We treat the church like that. It's like I, it's very much that consumeristic mindset. Like I just want the things that I want, and the things I don't want, I just want to push them aside. And what you find is there's not a church that exists that fits all your preferences. And so what you need to, be, what you need to do is you, you, you realize once you walk into the door of Golden Corral and you sign that membership paper, you get it all. It's all there. And you know what? We bear with one another. We, we learn to uh, appreciate the things that are, are not our favorite, and you get over your preferences. Preferences, to me, um, speak more and more. When those become the primary things in your life, especially when it comes to evaluating church, it becomes very selfish. And I think that's a problem within the American church, broadly speaking, evangelical church. So preferences, yeah. not a reason, not necessarily a reason to leave the church. I think we both agree on that. Right. Definitely. Next category. That was the first category. Uh, this is going to require a little more nuance, Brooks. Theology. No. No. I'm anti-nuance. Seth. You're anti-nuance.
0: I'll find You're a right. way to say it without nuance. Let's yeah. let's see what, how I can do.
1: Theology. Now, the reason why theology is nuanced is because there are good gospel centered Orthodox Christians that I love who will disagree with me on specific theological points. Like, for example, this is an easy one eschatology, right? I have brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ who are pre mill, postmill. mill, post mill, right? All across that spectrum. And um, there are certain theological doctrines that I think, generally speaking, if a pastor or an eldership holds to, it's not worth leaving over. It doesn't even make sense, we realize there's more complex. There's it's more layered. It's more nuanced. There's the word um, in in terms of theological understanding. Uh, So there's, there are certain doctrines where it's just like, dude, what are you thinking? You don't leave over that. Is that a fair statement?
0: Yeah. Yeah, not, Not only is it a fair statement, I think there's like two times when you are evaluating a church um, and in those two different times, theology may mean something different. Let me explain what I mean because I may be a little jumbled. When you're looking for a church, which you have the ability to do in America, you don't have the ability to do everywhere. Um, I, like, I would avoid churches that have bad theology, right? Right. Um, and so, like, I might leave because I walk into a dispensational church. Actually, I would leave <laughs> if I was looking for a church and I found a dispensational church. I would too, because um, it's
1: not just eschatology, pause because we have a lot of. A dispensationalist in our area, because it's not just eschatology. There, there's a actually a specific hermeneutic that's being used. It's a way of interpreting the Bible that I disagree with, and that's how you get fed So that when I say when you say dispensationalist, there's actually a lot more going on than yeah That was a
0: bad example. Well, what I mean is, it's an okay example. even Even over nuanced, even over minor theological issues, I want to find a church that I very closely align with theologically. Yeah. So if I'm If I am looking for a home church, like I don't like the model of like I'm spending three months and visiting a million churches, Um, but I'm not going to I like I have the ability when I'm looking to not to not stay at a church Mm -hmm. because of theology. But once I've made a commitment and I should do that really quickly when I decide to stay at a church or when I commit to this local body, then that changes. Um, like because I've entered into a covenant with the people of the church and I've been inter- and I'm a part of that church. And so at that point, like dispensationalism may be a little bit more iffy. And um, you know, that and that's where the harder question is churches, what do we do in churches change theologically over time? That's I where I'm I come into go. a yep. I come into a church um and I've committed to them. They're they're they've got thoroughly reformed um covenant theology and uh they, for some reason, start we start moving toward dispensationalism. or I, I mean, I will just whatever, say, whatever, I you know. like this is why it's it's great to go to a church where there's accountability from a broader body of elders than just those in the local church and yeah. where the elders are joined together with other churches by a shared confession because I don't I have a lot of confidence Redemption Hill is not going to move in any direction, not just because I know them, but because I know that they have a statement of faith based or, on yeah. uh, the London Baptist confession. And, um, and that there's accountability when they start to veer into dispensationalism.
1: Oh yeah. But, I'm getting a, I'm getting a phone call. Let's just say, you know, we're, we're uh, a yeah. redemptional church. If you don't know, is a confessional church. We have a, a confession of faith built off the 1689 London Baptist confession of faith. And, uh, those are really good guardrails, right? It holds me accountable for what I teach. And I, and I've told our church, I put that in blog format. As a matter of fact, and sent it out to the church. Here's why it's good to be confessional. Here's what it means for you not only do you know what to expect when we with the preaching of God's word or any teaching ministry but you hold me accountable and when i go off the rails theologically speaking it, you you can approach me like dude dude uh, here in chapter 25 uh, point 3 of our confession of faith it says this but you said mm-hmm.
0: that what's up with right. that and i invite Which, that those confessions can can provide a lot of um relief or um trust to people looking for a church because you as an elder you have to fully agree with the confession of your denomination Uh, now like i don't have to so if i'm okay with coming into a church that believes in uh infant baptism even though i don't you know i'm I don't, I don't, I don't think I necessarily have to believe that depending on where you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it lets you know that the elders are going to have to stay consistent other, or a whole denomination is going to have to have to move away from a particular doctrine in order for the church to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and there's some folks who, who are at a church who um, might not know all the theological terms and, you know, they love Jesus. They know the gospel and their members and they're all in. Um, the confession of faith ends up being a tool for which people can grow. And uh, that's a good thing as well. That's been the case at Redemption Hill. Light bulbs are going off as, you know, we put this in front of them. We do catechism and, you know, I'm doing my level best to preach faithfully from God's word. Uh, But at the same, you know, so with all that said, it still becomes a good guard for the entire church, for the people and for the elders. My question for you, Brooks, is this other than eschatology, Uh, are there other theological doctrines in which you would not leave over? And then, then I want to ask the question, what are theological doctrines in which you would leave over? very specific, not just dispensationalism broadly speaking, but really get into the nitty gritty of like, you know what, if this shift took place in my church, I'm out.
0: So what other doctrines was like, you
1: know what, I'm not going to leave over
0: that. Yeah. To give a list would be kind of difficult because there's actually a lot of beliefs on both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, first thing that comes to mind for things I wouldn't leave over is open versus closed um, communion. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about that offline
1: in a group chat. Yeah. mm -hmm.
0: Uh, The, and I'm just sticking with the theme of sacraments. Do elders have to administer the sacraments or not? I believe that they should. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I don't think that uh, I'd have a problem going to a church where uh, deacons or, you know, whoever administered the sacraments or something like that. Like there uh, um, and these are, these are like maybe tertiary issues is what you would call them. Um, but, uh, the first thing that comes to mind with, do- with doctrines that I would leave over, um, is, uh, women in ministry. And mm-hmm. that's because it's so practical because I think it, it would be a sin for me to sit under the eldership of, or, uh, of a woman mm-hmm. and churches that have shifted in that direction or changed a in that help, direction yeah. almost always um, will ordain a woman because it's a, it's a statement. Um, mm-hmm. So it's that, yeah, the, that's, that's one. I think over time, if my church shifted away from reformed theology to um, like Armenian Arminian soteriology or mm-hmm. dispensational uh, like interpretations, dispensational hermeneutics, that, that would probably over time give me I'd have, I'd start having conversations with my pastors, but I wouldn't leave right away, but I I don't know if I could stick with that church for, for long.
1: Yeah. And we're, we're reformed. Most people who have listened to us know that, but for those who don't, we're reformed. Yeah. And so uh, that impacts our soteriology, um, certainly at our church. And I'll speak for us uh, that impacts actually more than our soteriology. Um, all of our Presbyterian friends are gonna be like, you're not reformed. Okay. Yeah. Leave me alone. Um, get off, get off my
0: lawn. Like if I wouldn't go to a cessationist church, uh, yeah. uh, either, but all of this could change if it's the church in my community and I don't have another, right. If I'm living in the middle of, uh, you know, for some former Soviet country and the only mm-hmm. church in my community is a cessationist MacArthurite Dispensationalist church. <laughs> like I'm probably going to be going there and, yeah. uh, and I'm not gonna have a problem with it because it's yeah. the body of believers in in my community.
1: I think that's a great distinction. I think it's a great distinction because even the even hearing you say that and having the conversation right now uh, makes me realize how fortunate we are as Americans to grow up in a country with such a breadth and wide ranging um, group of churches. Uh, with different theological distinction doctrines. Some people view that as a negative. I, I actually don't. I think diversity is a good thing. I think diversity is healthy. Um, it provides options. And so uh, on the one hand, that, that feeds into the materialistic Christianity that can that, that exist um, in America. On the other hand, um, yeah, you, you know, if something does happen, like at your local church, your pastor goes from, you know, uh, continuationist and charismatic to sensationist, you could be like, you know what, that really means a lot to me and my convictions. And church ABC down the road, you know, they're continuationists and they're pretty good theologically. I'm gonna go hang out with them for a while.
0: Yeah, there, there, there's two things I fear with that. Mm-hmm. I would say, like over these issues, like soteriology like reformed soteriology. Covenant uh, interpretations, covenantalist mm-hmm. interpretations. like I, I would I would say it's at times right to leave a church over that. Um, but my two fears are one that if you say that's why, that's not necessarily why. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of people who have issues with doctrine, when I've had conversations with them, i I leave thinking, I don't think that was the actual issue. Yeah. I think that's a cover for the for something else that's going on. Yes. Um and you're correct. They, usually they put up with the doctrine just long enough until something else pushes them away and then they use the doctrine as an excuse. Right. Which I like I am I'm, I'm just saying deal with that and be honest with yourself about why you're leaving because you may need to evaluate whether or not it's it's good to leave the church over that. So that's that's one of my fears. Um and I forgot the second one. That's all right. You can think of it later. Um what what is so
1: funny I don't remember that. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, so when, when it comes to theology, to kind of put a bow on this and move to maybe more cultural reasons, people might leave a church. Uh, it's 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 mixed. It's nuanced. Um, you know, our, if, if if you hold to theological convictions with a tight fist, and they're the fundamentals of the faith, and your church shifts from that, then it might be time to leave your church. Because it's go, it, the church is going from orthodoxy to unorthodoxy, right? They're yeah. moving away from historic Christian orthodoxy and into liberalism, right? I, I've we see that all the time in our we've seen that all the time in our culture in the last fifty years. How many churches have moved from, you know, we're let's say theologically conservative or theologically moderate, and then our convention has a big thing, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden um um uh, we can ordain gay uh ministers and that's i mean that that has so many implications and ramifications because that's talking about a person's uh, uh your hermeneutic It's talking about what you understand wrong cultural stuff and so you got to leave you got to say
0: deuces i'm out yeah i um i remember the second fear so i'll just quickly yeah, state what i went to state earlier uh my my second fear would have been and is now that um, those who are very theologically inclined don't have primarily a, a, an attitude of uh, commitment to their church, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they they end up leaving over issues that that could be important, um, but leaving your leaving your church is a very serious thing, yeah. and uh, there there should even in those difficult situations where you need to leave. Um, be a base level commitment that you've had to your church um, that, that makes it difficult. It shouldn't be like a, a very quick thing and at least not in most cases. So, um, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I almost want, I almost wish like we had like a checklist, you know, like a theological checklist. And if your pastor's, you know, clicking off uh, 90% of those doctrines or something that, you know, that are truly Orthodox and maybe like aren't your favorite, you know, it's like, do you leave over that? I mean, depends, I guess it depends on what's in that 10% for sure. I think the point Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to make is like, we're too quick to leave. Um, It really, it really depends on the doctor. Some people. Yeah. Some people for sure. And it, and and you know, there's a lot of people who are long suffering. Yeah. I I know, I know people who are like, you know what, we're going to endure because we do have commitment. We have commitment. There's members at my...
0: there's members at my local church who have been there for forty-ish year, almost forty years since the church was planted, yeah. that have gone through a lot. Like just thinking about what happened in the in the '90s with our with our local church, mm-hmm. um, very very different. And those members still stuck through it. And um, yeah. th- those are very long suffering people, very committed people.
1: And I, I mean, I know this gets this goes to the other side of of the conversation, but I think those folks. Need to be commended, and we don't yeah. speak about that enough. We, we don't speak about the importance of long suffering in a local church, the importance of commitment in a local church having the long game. We're such reactionary people in our culture. It's like, whoa, that happened. Well, I don't know if I can handle that. Where it's like, well, do you have the long game in view? Where, where is this actually going? You I mean, don't get all worked yeah. up over one thing.
0: And I'll to go back to what we were just talking about as well. Um, there There are levels of doctrines, if you've heard um some people use the primary, secondary, tertiary, mm-hmm. yep. and like primaries, the the orthodox, the doctrines of the faith, the creeds, the confessions, um secondary are like things that I, I uh, wouldn't maybe I wouldn't or I would leave my church over in tertiary or those unimportant things um but that I actually kind of contradicted what I was about to say which is i don't I don't necessarily think any doctrine is unimportant um, right. and yeah. so so to say like you should you should suffer with your church through horrible secondary doctrines um i wouldn't be i wouldn't be one to say that in all situations Mm -hmm. i think that um for instance homosexuality you could call it a primary doctrine um depending on how you organize them but it's not the gospel specifically it's not this Mm -hmm. at least a simple version of the gospel it's certainly in the gospel of god which is through the scriptures um but it has nothing to do with trinity has nothing to do with uh you, you know what Divinity, I mean. Divinity so,
1: humanity of Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe in, included in secondary doctrines. Mm-hmm. S- same same thing with uh same thing with women, women pastors. Um and I've heard people say, like if you're you believe in the women can be pastors, you're a Christian and we fellowship with you and we have unity with you, um, despite the fact that we're in separate churches, which is true to an extent, but it's almost to say it's not. It's so. It's just not important because it's secondary and not gospel. They just put it to the side. It's not important to us. And uh, and I I really believe that whatever God says in His Word, um, even if it's the the smallest thing, God said it for a reason. I believe it's important. I believe it's important for Christians to obey God. And um, so that might be another category we could talk about is what do we do when uh, we feel like we're having to disobey God by by being in in church, um, in the church that we're in.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. I, I, you know, a word that keeps coming to mind when it comes to, when it comes to a member evaluating their church elderships, it's the word faithfulness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, are they being faithful? You know, I'm, we're in the, we're in the category of theology here. Are they being theologically faithful the best they can see, it? and then being honest with us about you know how they see it? You know, they're not afraid to you know, speak to the controversial issue of women being pastors because they're just being faithful. I, I think that's really important. Like it, there's a lot of a lot of good pastors, there's a lot of good theologically sound pastors who are not faithful. You know, they know their stuff. They've done their chops. They they've done the they've done the seminary. They they've read Wayne Grudem and Burkhoff at the same time backwards, you know? And um yet yet there's a there's something about are they really being honest you know with me are are they are they skirting the hard issues because they want the church to grow to be xyz you know is the motive you know church growth instead of being faithful to god's word so you you really need to ask that question as well i mean is that a faithful
0: pastor to me Well, yeah the bible the bible puts um expectations that That the congregation should have of their pastors, on them, Um, and the Bible puts expectations on the congregations of how they should um, relate to their pastors. Right, Right. uh, you're to honor the work of your pastor, treat them with respect, um, don't let their their leadership over you be difficult. um, You're to imitate their faith. Like there's all of those, but then for pastors, the there's an example of teaching, of defending the sheep, of being gentle with the sheep you know what i mean yeah. like there's there's the bible puts parameters around both sides of that
1: correct relationship first timothy three titus one first peter five acts 20 i mean there's and there's more than that in terms yeah i'm of thinking of a
0: text in titus let's see if i can find it
1: yeah well there's right. there's pl- you can look it up there's plenty of texts in in scripture that speak to um the qualifications and roles and the and the heart of the pastor uh, one of my favorite passages to, to preach on pastoral ministry is 1 Peter 5. It's not to dismiss First um, um, th- uh, Timothy 3 and Titus 1, but by looking at 1 Peter 5, the shepherd the flock of God that is among you, and I look at those characteristics, I'm like, yeah, that's what it means to be a shepherd over sheep and to care for their souls.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was actually thinking of 1 Thessalonians 5. Mm um talks about the 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 pastors labor among you they lead you in the lord they admonish you they keep watch over your soul um and and that text also says what our role is to our pastors give recognition and appreciate Mm -hmm. them regard Mm -hmm. them very highly in love obey and submit to them that's that's something we don't think we should do to pastors most of the time but uh, the bible tells us we're to obey submit obey and submit
1: yeah I'm going to, I'm going to say this about redemptional church is why I love this church so much is that they honor and respect me in rightful ways and appropriate ways, appropriate ways. And um, I, I'm hoping to, I hope I'm doing that same way back to them, you know, in a way of shepherding the of of God that is among you and caring for them. I, I love our church. Uh, I, I say, I say our church, I mean, redemptional church.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love your church as well. My former church. Yes. I so, left uh, my church for a girl. Uh, so that's how we started off this podcast. So is that a good how, where, where reason to leave that, a church? Where is that, Where does that fall on the reasons to leave a church?
1: I Don't know. We—that's a new category that we need to discuss, Brooks. <laughs> um uh, well, to be fair, maybe you, you le- could say you, moving. You move, I mean, you left. I moved for blessing. a
0: girl, and the move made me leave my church. If I could have yes. kept, if I could have, you know, moved and don't try to talk your church. way out of
1: this. <laughs> No, it's you, hypothetical you, yeah, you're left with my blessing that's for sure uh because you married a wonderful wonderful person all right last category so first two to review uh preferential not a lot of reason to leave there um second category theological obviously very nuanced depends on the particular theological conviction is a church oh crap from... i didn't
0: state it without nuance like i said i would yeah yeah well here
1: we are here's the here's
0: the let me let me state what i can without nuance go for it regardless of the theological disagreement um, you should treat leaving your church uh, with with solemnness and you should have a baseline commitment to your church um, that that makes that a difficult decision if your church is starting to move away from the gospel or mm-hmm. starting to move toward toward very um, things that cause you to sin um, and not just the baseline gospel but there are there's lots of doctrines that tend to fall like dominoes before before the gospel gets lost, like homosexuality, if the gospel isn't completely lost with that. Um the those things I, I think that in many situations it's 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 best to to leave over, over those things. But there's your nuance, people.
1: All right. Cultural reasons. Now cultural is hard to cultures can be a little more tricky to find. We talk about ethos. It's less tangible. A little yeah. more a little more flexible before here's depart- what i
0: always hear though yeah, go ahead. It, it was hard for me to get connected oh that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's Number why one. people i i hear it constantly and it always frustrates me so i'm like i i've been to many churches in my life and not one of them has ever been hard to get connected from like the most fundamentalist church to like the most mm-hmm. charismatic church from like y- you name it I've never been to a church that's difficult to get connected. People always know. want to talk to you. There's always ways to join totally. a community group. Totally. Like, it they it's almost like they expect, you know, if if I don't make a good friend my first week or two, it's hard to get connected. It's that's not necessarily the case. Like I I, I I'm not saying it's never true, but it's I think it's almost never true that a church is hard to get connected to into.
1: Yeah, I, uh, oof, man, you're opening up a can. Usually, when I hear it's hard, hard for get connected. It's it's hard for get for me to get connected the way that I want to get to get, get connected. That's what that's the rest Which of the sense. Is sentence.
0: what? What does that usually mean, though?
1: That's the preference. That's that's the preference. I want to I want to be involved in this specific kind of Bible study, or I want this type of fellowship with with men or with women or whatever. It's it, they have a this get this does get into. Uh, maybe some cultural stuff, um, which we'll get to more specifically here in a moment. But since we're here, it's like you have a picture in your head about how something's supposed to play out. And even though everything else is good, when it doesn't play out that specific way, you get disappointed. So in other words, a person may put expectations on a church and the church was never meant nor nor was going to meet those expectations. And then that person gets frustrated and they didn't get, quote, connected to the church that's that's kind of what else is being spoken there
0: yeah so that's that's definitely the biggest culture thing that i hear if we're talking about church culture we're talking about church culture right not yeah. not large yeah
1: yeah church culture i'm going to hear throw down some statistics here um the state of the church and i i find this very fascinating to me as we engage in culture a weekly attendance uh between 1993 and um 2020 has dropped precipitously in the church, you know, 45% of people, U.S. adults, all the way down to 29, which in that amount of time is actually quite large. And uh, the next uh, statistic there, it's more by generation. I think, I can't remember if this is all from Pew or from Barnum. Barnum. Okay. From one of the two. Yep. Yeah, Barnum.
0: It's all from Barnum.
1: And this statistic is showing just, you know, we have the millennials, Gen X, boomers, and the elders who are older than the boomers, and just showing basically their weekly church attendance, all of them are dipping, um, but all of them are also starting from a different starting point, right? So there are less millennials going to church naturally They're in a Christian home or whatever, and less that are ending up in the local church. And so what we're seeing is church, people are leaving the church. And I have to ask the question, why? Here's one thing I would say about the question of why people are leaving the church. Wait for it. Here it is. The church, broadly speaking, the evangelical church has acquiesced to the culture. It has not been distinct. It has not been salt and light, broadly speaking. I'm speaking within America in particular. And so people are like, well, this looks exactly like what happens outside these doors, and therefore why not just go over there? Another another way to think about it is we have watered down truth. We have watered down what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We've watered down what it means to call Jesus Savior and Lord. And now all of a sudden, when the church looks exactly like the culture, no wonder people are leaving. It's no wonder, for example, people are leaving mainline mainline de- denominations in vastly greater numbers because what do they believe in? They've watered it all down. That's that's one way that I assess kind of the trends in culture
0: yeah, it's actually really important because the um, the church guru model, like bring in a bring in a consultant, church growth consultant yeah. to help you grow your church. The the recommendations are always to please the people, and it's usually like in every seeker sensitive church we've ever seen, it's a it's a watered down version of what church is meant to be. Yeah, um, it's very consumeristic. It's very uh, watered down teaching. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what you hear. That's how church church grows, right? Mm-hmm. It's not. And I, I'm thinking of two specific churches in my life that I've seen adopt that model and then fail. And, um, and, and it, I think that it probably worked mm-hmm. in in the nineties and eighties when um, millennials and um Gen Xers wanted to go to a rock show instead of a church on Sunday right. morning. Yep. Um. But that's that's not working anymore. Not with millennials. Not with Gen Xers. And it's it's definitely definitely never worked with Gen Z.
1: And the older path, older generation of pastors, they're they're not seeing it. What they're doing is they're doing this one. You know, they put their finger in their mouth and they put their finger in the wind and they're like, okay, the wind's blowing that way. Okay. Okay. We got to do that thing or the wind's blowing that way. And all of a sudden they retreat and do that other thing. And, or, or, or the congregation's saying this, so we got to do that or whatever. And, and, and we're losing, pastors are losing a sense of, okay, what does it mean to be a faithful local church? What does it mean to be faithful to God?
0: We're losing that. The, that, the church is not supposed to look like our culture especially not now when our culture is so, um, anti-God. And it's, it's really interesting that in order to win people that we, that we try to become like the people that, that, um, that are, that are God haters, people that the Bible describes as our, our enemies. Right. Um, and when we win people with that model, uh, we don't often win people who are fanatically, um, In the Christian faith, when people who are only kind of in the Christian faith and then and then they apostatize later on, they don't they don't stick with it, Um, because it's not a it's not the transition that becoming a Christian is supposed to be like becoming a Christian is supposed to be a, a, a worldview changing event. Yeah. Um, where you are now different than the world. Jesus has promised that the world will hate you. He's promised that you will be persecuted. You're not supposed to be friends with the world because friendship with the world is enmity with God. And uh, and that's what being Christian should look like. And so when when the culture is yelling at me and saying they hate me and I feel like my church is nothing like them, I'm usually not going to think that's a bad thing at all. Usually I'm like, that's a pretty good thing. And uh, that's exactly what Jesus said would happen um but when you're when you're winning people by becoming like culture which doesn't doesn't really work looking at these numbers um mm-hmm. then you're you're not only not winning people but the people that you the the small smaller number of people that you do win to the christian faith don't last in it
1: dude let's just throw down john 15 which is what you're referencing here and it it is exactly what we're trying to convey here but jesus just says it a whole lot better than us <laughs> he says this if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, just remember, it hated Jesus way before you. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. And that's part of the problem. Christians want to be loved by the world. We want the culture to look at us and be like, oh, they're, they're okay. They're, they're not the rebel rousers. They're falling in line. Mm-hmm. That's, again, part of, part of the problem. And Jesus is like, mm-mm, that's not how this works. he says, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Doesn't mean we've done the whole Star Trek things, you know, um, beam me up Scotty thing, and we're all sudden not on earth. No, we're we're certainly, you know, living on the earth, but Jesus has called us out of that lifestyle and out of that, in a sense, in one way, out of the culture to live differently amongst the culture. Very to be, and we're going through this Sermon on the Mount right now, and we went through this a couple of months ago, uh, we, we're here to be salt and light. We, we leave right, exactly. a salty residue everywhere we go. That's what we want to do. We want to take that basket and we remove it from the light so that everyone can see the light of Christ. That's how we and live. We're the, lo- we live the light
0: up, which is opposed to, by the way, the darkness. of uh, complete complete opposites of um, what we should be from the world.
1: In what ways... It, let's try to put some some uh, color on this. What ways has the church has tangibly acquiesced to culture? So you walk into church ABC, and you walk in, you're like, you're like, whoa, this doesn't look any different. Where is that actually apparent? Like, I would imagine people are like, okay, church is different from from the world. I get that Jesus called us out. We're in the world, but not of the world. And then you walk into a church. How do you begin to see those
0: signs? i think um in a practic- like in a very practical way what this what a lot of the churches becoming like the world has start with um, is adopting the, the world's understanding of love because mm-hmm. it usually starts with the world saying our culture telling us you're not loving right love right. is love that was the the homosexuality slogan and um, and 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 now it's love is you on yard signs uh, still you know yeah yeah and and now love is complete tolerance and acceptance of um of views that god hates and and i'm like that because we believe those things we're not loving and so they start to because we believe god is love and christians are called to be loving and if we're not loving we're not like god um when when there's this equivocation that our culture does and they say that we're not loving and then we start to believe them then well then we start to think what faithfulness looks like is becoming like the culture and loving in the ways that they say Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how uh, people have moved so quickly toward, toward leftism is because they've been convinced that it's the loving position and God is love In reality God is love and it's not a loving position. They've, they've co-opted that word. They've changed it to mean something it's, it never meant. Um, And so that's, that's the, that's the big thing. And you like, there's big cultural issues that you'll see people talking about, like uh, uh, abortion. Like there's very clear things that you'll see in the church. Um, Very soft on, on homosexuality. You'll Mm -hmm. see like, um the JD Greer God God Whispers about homosexuality. Was that JD Greer? God yes. God Whispers about homosexuality in the Bible. I have like, a blog
1: post for him, by the way. Wrote on that exact issue. Does God Whisper? Really? Look it up at cornfieldtheology.com.
0: Does God Whisper? I think I remember reading that blog post when you when you wrote it, actually. I was furious. Because I didn't write
1: furiously. I, think, I was just like, you gotta be
0: kidding me. Because JD Greer said it and then Ed Litton said it. Yeah. So it's like, like the same sermon,
1: which is, but, which is another issue of pleasures and that, that I also did a podcast on with Logan. <laughs> so we covered, the,
0: we covered all the issues. We continue. Yeah. Sorry. We're getting up topic. No, no, that's, that's great. I, I, what I'm saying is that looks different um, depending on where you go, exactly how we've started to adopt the world's definition of love. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually it means I want to be really soft and really nuanced on issues that the, the cultures really, really cares about. Like abortion or homosexuality. It's not preaching from the pulpit um, Mm -hmm. that abortion is good, but it's, I want to be really, really, really soft on these things because I want to be loving and I want to be accepting of, I want to be accepting of LGBTQ people in my church membership. Um, Anyway, so I think that's, that's one big way that it starts.
1: And sometimes people are like, I want to be loving because I don't want people to dislike me. Yeah. I mean, or I don't want my feelings hurt or whatever here's the way of, as you were talking, Brooks, and I think this is one of the most excellent points um, of this podcast is what you're saying about love and how that is culturally speaking, kind of one of those dividing factors. There, there's a way to talk about love where the truth that underpins love is relative. That's the culture how we define love is malleable malleable it's relative it's whatever you define it to be it's whatever we define it to be and 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 pass along to you and that can change over time that can change from day to day month to month it's just one again put your mm-hmm. finger in the wind you see which way the wind's going and that becomes the definition of love instead and what you're trying what you have wonderfully pointed out and which I want to continue to press forward is that god is love he defines love yes. and and his love is underpinned by Truth that is objective, that is not malleable, that does not change. And where do you go to understand love, biblically speaking and rightly speaking? We go to His Word, and we read yeah. it. And that's where we understand what love truly is. Yeah, it, you know, there's a thousand. You know, we talked about loving your enemies um, a couple of weeks ago, right? We got to that passage, and um, I had to talk about it. Like, there's a there's a million songs trying to describe. What is love, baby? Don't hurt me. You know, it's like, yeah, we just, got, we just keep going and going. And then, I don't know how I said it necessarily then, but it's a lot of, all oh, that's garbage. It's garbage. So to bring this uh, topic of love back to the cultural issue, you want to be part of a church that is indeed biblically loving one another, loving God and loving others well with uh, the underpinnings of truth in which they are mm-hmm. governed by. Um, that that that's loving the, the other thing regarding the cultural component brooks and this is where i think 2020 really exposed a lot where churches were at there was this yearning just this yearning to be loved or liked by the world and um you know it's like do we shut down the church or don't, do we not shut down the church it's like the emerging church movement 2.0 right yeah and so i read this in um First John, and then we'll kind of have some closing comments after that. Now First John says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. Like, okay, we could run with that for about a good hour. Do not love the world or the things in the world. There's a lot of things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but it's from the world. And then just the last verse here, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of the father of God abides forever.
0: Hmm.
1: Over and over again, we read in scripture, this clear distinction between how the church is supposed to be and the world around it. And it's not just America. We can go back to Babylon. We can go over to pick your country in Europe, Russia, parts of Africa, the, the, the church is always to be distinct from the world any thoughts on that or any closing statements
0: yeah i think that um one one closing thought i have on why people are leaving the church and talking about culture is that um i feel like i have seen a shift um and people leaving not just the church but leaving the christian faith and um maybe 10, 15 years ago, I was pretty young, but my, my feel for why people left the faith is like, I'm living in sin. And so I'm just going to say, I don't believe in God anymore. Like you have, have you seen those memes where it's like, I left the, I left the church. Why? Oh, because I moved in with my girlfriend. Like that's, you know, oh, that, yeah, totally that, that used to be the thing. And not to say it doesn't exist anymore. Um, But now it's like, those people were very apathetic about, about, christian doctrine mm-hmm. um and apathetic about what they moved to but now i i've had many many friends who've apostatized over the last six or seven years yeah friends that i knew in high school friends that i knew in college and i i can point to no case at least not off the top of my head of them not becoming progressive leftist um propagandists like mm-hmm. they're they're not even just um converting to like a worldly view of love it's like i'm posting on facebook about about um what the the what progressivism is teaching today Mm -hmm. about um lgbtq ideology about abortion about you, you, you know name the issue right and um and so i think that one danger to be aware of is that when a church is flirting with the world um it it's never not led to its demise. It never I don't I, I don't think it's ever not led to its demise. It may be slow, um, but this is like downgrade controversy that was happening in um, in the day of Spurgeon, where right. the, the, the reason that the controversy was happening was because one or two percent of the people in his denomination were moving toward progressivism. And um, and that's how it started. And Spurgeon saw it coming and he was against it. But the, no one was because they were all too, they were all just wanting to have peace and love, mm-hmm. um, and then the, and then that's what all it's always the moderates that allow the the progressivism to creep in little yep. by little, 1,000%. and it ravages the church and it ravages people's faith, and um, and so it's really interesting to see that it with many of my friends it started with it started with love, mm-hmm. um, the world's idea of love. That's how they 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 get convinced, and it it just moves toward full blown com- progressivism. Um it's that which is really interesting. It's a very dangerous and very prevalent ideology that's that's literally tearing people away from the church.
1: It, it it's it is absolutely that. That's where deconstructionism comes in as well, right? That you know, I'm deconstructing my faith and whatever. That's yeah. all guard that's all it's all just code language for I, I no longer want this and I want something else. Yeah. Um the the other thing that happens is a tolerance for sin and and not only that, I think there's a, another step here, It's um, there's no teaching of repentance. There's no teaching of turning back to the, to the virtues which God has called us to live. And uh, because of that, I think people just—antinomianism, I think, has crept into the church in, in a massive way, um, and uh, that's crept into the culture of the church as well. Uh, I'm not saying you can't enjoy good things and things like that. I think it's it's actually a way of living. That's the it's the Sermon on the Mount way of living. Um, it's it's a, a reverence of who God is and what He said in His commandments. Right, His Ten Commandments. We we yeah, disregarded it, it, the moral life, the moral law, the virtuous life, the virtuous Christian life entirely.
0: Yeah, it's because we're selfish and we think everything's about us. What makes you happy mm-hmm. is what's right. Mm-hmm. Following your own heart is what's right. Um, and so it becomes, um, for, it's for me, best, who it's believes, your
1: best life now, Brooks, it's your best life now.
0: Yeah. But for me, like for me who believes something's a sin, um, when someone else does not, I, I feel like I can't call them out. Like it's not, it's not my responsibility, mm-hmm. um, to care about the fact that they've gone into sin. Um, because they're, they're believing what they, what they want to believe. Everyone's entitled to their own beliefs. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions. Um, and so we start to put up with sin because it's, it's the loving thing to do and because it's not my responsibility because we're selfish. And I think I can believe everyone can believe what they want because it's a self-centered and not a community-centered culture that we have.
1: But yeah, Uh, a couple of final thoughts for myself. Uh, it's just going to repeat something I said at the very beginning. And you've, you've said this really well throughout this podcast, Brooks, leaving you you don't leave a church willy-nilly. It's done with sobriety. You done you you're doing it knowing exactly why. And um you need to be people need to be slow to leave. I when people come to our church and um let's say, you know, they're they have a church culture or whatever. When I hear the story from someone, you know, we have been at XYZ church for 15 years and there's been a massive cultural shift, but we, and when did that cultural shift take place? I ask questions, you know, about a year and a half, two and a half years ago. And I'm like, you've been long, I'm thinking to myself, you've been long suffering for that long because they're hopeful people. Right. And they know a lot of people who've been there. I look at those type of people and I'm like, mad respect for you for, for having the long game. And I understand that you probably had to leave. Right. I mean, you the theology shifted, the culture shifted and it's whatever. But I have a lot of respect for that. Um I get more concerned when people come to my church and they're checking us out or whatever. You know I'm like how long have you been there? Oh, about 6 months. You remember? Well, yeah, but you know, we're here I'm like, "Time out. You need to go back to your pastor, provided there's you know nothing, you know, big breakup going on or something. If it's a good church, you need to go back to him and talk to him <laughs> and be like, "Hey, here's what we're thinking." We, we we need to create a, a greater, uh, more significant culture, a better culture of communicating and allowing folks to communicate with pastors about, hey, what are you thinking? What are you seeing? What's bugging you? What, what's going well, too, by the way? Uh, we need to create more of that kind of culture within our local churches. And I think what we'll find then, Lord willing, if pastors are receptive, uh, more of that sheep-shepherd dynamic within our local churches. And people will be much slower to leave and uh, much more quick to listen and to process and to think through things. Um, so those are some of my, some of my final thoughts. Brooks, any good books that you're reading right now? Good books that you're reading.
0: Um yeah, the the book, the best book that I've been reading recently is called uh, Helpful Truth in Past Places mm-hmm. and it is a look at how the puritans counseled biblically and it's a specifically a look at a number of um the of puritan works and how they can inform biblical counseling. Wow, it's very, very good.
1: That's great. I'm uh, reading a few on um, the Lord's Prayer, one by Kevin DeYoung, another one by Michael Reeves, and also going through Marlowe Jones' entire volume on the Sermon of the Mount, which obviously the Lord's Prayer is in there.
0: Yeah, it's where you're preaching, right?
1: Yeah, we're going to go pretty slow. Yes. So I'm going to spend, it's, we got our, got our sermon series and then we got like a mini sermon series. And so we're really going to yeah. enjoy enjoy our time there. Well, those, that's good, man. Hey, thanks for uh, jumping in on this, Brooks. I appreciate it. And uh, where can people find you? Can you kind of give your uh, website and where they can find you on Twitter and things like that?
0: Yeah, not, I'm not super active um, on Twitter right now, but I go through like periods of it, but it's M-I-S-T-E-R, Mr. Brookster, B-R-O-O-K-S-T-E-R on Twitter. Um, and my website is Brooks says dot com. Calm.
1: you can yep. find me on twitter at sean underscore uh, dsm on twitter you also find me i'm not that active on uh instagram i don't know if you mm-hmm. are
0: you i get, don't I th- even have an instagram
1: yeah yeah yeah. people i me disabled it my be.
0: account i used to have one but i hate instagram and i kept getting my, like dms of people sending me memes and stuff and i was like i hate instagram just send these to me over text so i deleted my account <laughs> <laughs>
1: People tell me i need to be more active. I'm like, I don't got time for all of these different all these social media outlets.
0: Instagram, Instagram to me is the worst social media. Like give me Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter where i spend most of my time. LinkedIn, see, i don't even have a LinkedIn
1: account. I just I, I maybe I should. I don't know. No, weird.
0: I should. You're, uh, you're, you're a pastor. You don't need a LinkedIn account.
1: Most most importantly, folks, go to cornfieldtheology.com. If you want to receive the latest blogs, when they're dropped, you can put your email. Just go to the scroll at the bottom, put your email in right there. When a blog is written, it pops out to you. You also can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Stitcher, a lot of other relevant podcast outlets. If you're using Amazon or Google, we're there, but congratulations. Thanks for listening at that particular outlet because no one listens there. <laughs> and you know it brooks
0: <laughs> people i'm surprised people are listening on stitcher and stuff like that usually it's usually it's website, website. apple podcasts yep. and spotify those that's are the big those
1: three. three yeah you're absolutely right those are the big three and then we're also on youtube so you'll see our beautiful faces on youtube if you'd like um you can hit the like button subscribe button and there's some other thing you can do on youtube oh, man, what is it? i'm too old for this like or comment
0: that's comment I mean. you comment i don't know like, subscribe, comment.
1: Do all the things. Give us five stars. <laughs> but oh, yeah, in
0: Apple Podcasts, you can give us five stars. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I really, really appreciate you all listening. Really thankful for it, and I hope it's helpful for you. Like and share um, if you think this would be helpful for someone else to listen to, and, and be sure to comment if there's a particular topic you'd like us to take up. We love take up taking up challenging ideas, topics. Uh, nothing's really off limits. There's a not that's there's not a lot that's off limits here. So. If we could be a blessing to you, be sure to let us know. So until next time, until the next blog or podcast drops, peace out. I'm Sean Powers. That's Brooke Seves-Check. You're listening to Cornfield Theology.